0: Right. Now, I may play one being. And if I look through, oh, hello. Hello, well, beings. I got a golden uh, unicorn here that I picked up on my first turn, so I may as well play it in my other stable. How about that, Mikey? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You're stealing? Yeah, I'm going to steal it and bring it over here. Ah, c- can I halt the steal? Yes. You can, yes. I'm halting the steal. Oh. I got to halt the halt. The, oh my uh, God, I'm going to halt that
1: halt. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Their counter spells
0: are flying!
2: Yes! <laughs> Welcome to Which Game First? Where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out! First up this week, we ply potions, magic, and monsters to capture majestic one horn beasts in Magical Unicorn Quest. Next up, we head to the market with a pop-up plan for success in Mercado de Lisboa. And lastly, we ride the rails in search of holiday bliss in All Aboard Around the World Train Game. I'm your host, Celeste Angelus, here with my decades-long gaming buddies Evan Bernstein Hello, Ed Pobolitis, it's
1: game time,
2: and Mike Grenier. That's Lord to you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right.
3: (laughs) I'll explain that real quick. Ready? Somebody bought me a one foot plot of land in Scotland, which makes me a Lord and I can officially put it on all my documentation. Thank you very much. Oh, I saw that.
1: Yeah. Ah, nice.
0: (laughs) Your Lordship. It's my birthday. (laughs) Lord Grenier? His Lordship, Laird Michel Grenier. <laughs> <laughs> How'd that Frenchie get
2: up there? Did the Jacobite rebellion succeed? <laughs> you
3: did. <laughs> All right. Sorry. I did not mean to detract from our introduction here. Happy birthday, Mikey. It is <laughs> Thanks. We you, thank are recording you. on this. Hey, happy, happy birthday. <laughs> That's how much I love you guys out there. I'm recording this
2: on my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and let's get to it. Our first game up this week is Magical Unicorn Quest, designed by Andrew Kuplik, published by Flame Point Games in 2021, number of players 2 to 6, ages 8 and up, playtime 20 to 40 minutes. All right, birthday Mike, tell us <sighs> what's in the box.
3: The cover of the box shows the silhouette of the mythical unicorn standing proudly against the backdrop of a dense and pink magical forest. If you dare journey within, you'll discover 40 mystical being cards, 20 mystical potion cards, 15 mystical magic cards, and six reference sheets. That is exciting.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And that's what's in the box. Well, before we tell you if this quest is bountiful and sparkly...
0: (laughs) Evan, tell us how it's played. (laughs) Magical Unicorn Quest is a strategy card game in which you must journey through the magical forest to find a golden unicorn and a majestic unicorn. Shuffle the forest deck of cards and deal six to each player. Then you draw a card, play a potion card, and then play a creature card. There are also mystical magic cards which can be played at any time of the game by any player. Be the first player to place one of each unicorn into one of your stables, and your magical unicorn quest will be complete. (laughs) That's basically it.
1: Yay, unicorn! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Yay, magical!
3: magical. Ed likes the cute stuff.
2: He does. Well, we got to play this on Tabletop Simulator with the designer, Andrew Kuplik. So he kept us on the straight and narrow... So we did not get lost. What did you guys think of playing with the designer?
1: It was very helpful because I think we tried to break the rule not once, not twice, but at least three times. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) And how do you like the look of this game? It's very colorful.
0: Oh, the art's great. I think it's wonderful.
3: Yeah, it's got kind of a sort of simplistic style to it, which I like. Everything's, you know, it's just an elf with some woods behind them. And you don't need to even see the name. You know that's an
1: elf when you're looking at it. The graphic design kind of made me felt like with an indie video game, kind of. It was like- mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's a good point.
2: Yes, yeah, so it looks like that, except the characters have a lot of personality. And I think that oh, yeah. is where you can separate good artists from the okay artists when it comes to this style of art, this simple style you've really got to put a lot of personality into it. And this artist, uh, Kip Noskase, is a professional artist from television. He's worked on Family Guy and Rugrats and the new wow. Star Trek show. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so Boy, he yeah. he really knows what he's doing with this simple style and it makes for a enchanting feel to the game. Mm-hmm. Which is perfect.
0: Yes. Yeah, it is it is perfect. It's the right comment. It's the right combination
1: of art and gameplay here
2: what type of game is it
1: An interesting sort of cooperative set collection game (laughs) because you're you're trying to build up sets of creatures because they get more powerful the more you have of them yay (laughs) and there's two unicorns you gotta collect but it could be in either stable could you share your stables with your neighbors (laughs) oh
2: (laughs) twist you have to share stables. What? No.
1: <laughs> yep. That's
3: that's what makes this game unique. It's kind of like the ultimate king making game, except for I can be a king and I make somebody else a king at the same time. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's
3: interesting. What do you
2: mean by that? King Maker?
3: So when you play the winning card, the card that ends the game, hopefully for yourself. Which like, is what
2: card? It's the uh, majestic unicorn. Yeah. You need to have
3: one of each of the unicorns in one of the stables that you share. Mm -hmm. So if Evan is to my left, and he's already played a majestic unicorn, and I play the golden unicorn in there, me and Evan both
1: win. That's right. Well, that's if you play that golden unicorn, the one that share between you and Evan, but Correct. if you play it in the one to share between you and me, for example, then maybe we win. No, 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 no don't, don't do that. Ed, are
3: you trying to convince me even though we're not playing right now? You're trying
1: to convince <laughs> me that... <laughs> <laughs> That's the way the game works. It is. You're trying to, only trying to convince them to help you instead of their other neighbor that's across from mm-hmm. them. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like, if Evan had the Majestic Unicorn and Ed had the Majestic Unicorn and you were in mm-hmm. between them, you actually do get to choose which one of them wins. That's right, exactly. Along with you. But
3: also, you're making a choice to say, I hope Ed's not going to, I mean, I hope Evan's not going to stop me if I go with Ed, or I hope Ed's not going to stop me if I go with Evan, you know?
1: (laughs) Well, if you go with me, I'm not going to try to stop you.
3: Well, of course, but Evan, (laughs) I got to decide which one of you two might have some cards that would stop
0: the victory from happening. Those are those mystical magic cards that you can play anytime by anyone Mm -hmm. during the course of the game, which can stop things like both unicorns winding up in the same stable. How about a werewolf? A werewolf? Oh. <laughs> oh, that only takes out the dwarf? Wait, yeah, did right. I say werewolf? I meant uh, white <laughs> rabbit. Uh, no, uh, I meant brewmaster. There you go, brewmaster toad. Huh?
3: All right. <laughs> yeah, that's why they have those cards that with the instantaneous effect like that. So you never quite know when you're about to play that card, if it's going to be over or not.
1: Okay, so you got to watch
3: out for them unicorn thief. <laughs> that's right. Or unicorn food. Which is a card that lures unicorns over to different stables. You just put some cotton candy and some gummy worms out and they they end up in the other stable.
1: (laughs) What? But that was my (laughs) unicorn.
3: (laughs) It's fast and furious. I'll definitely say that. Like uh, this game goes pretty quickly, uh, especially if you know what the cards do without having to look at them too much.
2: I know you thought curses could turn into boons, Mike. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Not only did I think they could, but the game is actually designed that way where, you know, I could play a werewolf or a spider, which is the mythical beings that are bad and have ah, red backgrounds. Spider. Ah. On your turn, you have to at the end of your your phases, you have to play out all the actions that are in your stables so you can put bad things in other people's stables. But if they Uh get a a second bad matching thing, like two werewolves, two spiders, whatever, then...
1: They can send the spiders off to you!
3: Right. It has a (laughs) secondary effect that you can actually use to your benefit instead of to your detriment. It's a clever mechanic. It is. I actually haven't seen anything like that before. It's very interesting.
2: But the game can end kind
3: of early, Mike? It could be turn two when I had a mythical unicorn or majestic unicorn and Ed has a golden unicorn and we're next to each other. I play one, he plays the other, nobody stops us, boom, game over. Yep. I, it, I mean, it takes quite a shuffle to have both of the, like, there's only a couple copies of each of those in the decks. So right. to have the right combination of them to come up like that is kind of rare, but it can happen.
1: Uh, plus, everybody has a full hand at that point. So it'll, there's probably somebody with uh no, hey, you're going to stop that right there.
2: Yeah, <laughs> especially if there's six players instead of three.
3: Yeah, the more players, right. Yeah.
1: The more players, the more opportunity for the, uh, People to play little uh, yep. blocker cards.
3: Uniblocked. <laughs> Uniblocked. He got <laughs> horn blocked.
2: <laughs> and Andrew Kuplig, the designer, not only played with us, he actually spoke at the Board Game Design Conference, which is still running right now. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. still get tickets. It's our conference.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he opened a show. He did.
2: Yeah. And if you get tickets late, it's OK. You're still going to see the next few weekends live and you'll get to watch the recordings of everything, including Andrew. And Magical Unicorn Quest is on Kickstarter right now, but you got to hurry. I know it's the final days, so (laughs) you could check it out there as well. Yeah. Okay, Explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Magical Unicorn Quest. Mike?
3: This game is lighthearted and fun, but don't let the simple look fool you. There is some complexity here, so pay attention and
1: dig it up. Ed? Magical Unicorn Quest. It's a very neat looking game. It's very easy to learn. It's a bit on the light and silly side for my taste, but the semi-cooperative nature of the game its fun, and it's worth digging up just for that magic. Evan? MUQ
0: is fun. It's light. It's easy to learn. It offers some neat game mechanics and has a decent amount of strategy, so dig it up. If you have thoughts about Magical
2: Unicorn Quest, come and talk to us. Follow us, subscribe on social media, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and you can find us on Discord by going to our website. Hey everybody, the Board Game Design Conference is still running. You can still get tickets right now.
0: We're in the middle of a fantastic conference and we want you to join us Don't forget, we still have our keynote speaker coming up, Reiner Gnesia. We know him from so many of the games that you've played and loved over the years. He's ready to share his experiences and offer his advice for
1: you, for the benefit of you, the game designer and the game fanatic. Each weekend, we have four events, two on Friday night and two in the middle of the day on Saturday. Even if you can't make it live, again, you can grab it all on the recordings. But if you can
2: make it live to the next couple weekends, you get live Q&A, right, Mike?
3: Uh uh-huh that's right and actually some of our guests love longer q a times so you get to get in a whole bunch of questions to ask them and we did we had a lot of people asking questions and getting some really awesome answers so i'm looking forward to this next upcoming weekend myself because i'm also learning a lot
2: and we worked really hard to keep it as affordable as possible it's only 29.95 for the all access pass gets you access to all the recordings so you can head over to boardgamedesignconference.com and get your tickets today. We'll see you there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, See you there.
2: Our next game up is Mercado de Lisboa, designed by Vital Lacerda and Julian Pombo, published by Eagle Griffin Games in 2021. Number of players, one to four, ages eight and up. Playtime, 30 to 45 minutes. Birthday, Mike, what's in the box? <laughs>
3: The cover of the box depicts a bustling marketplace, complete with a grown up version of Dora the Explorer staring aimlessly at the ceiling, a nerdy hipster at a wine bar trying out his best pickup line, and a vendor attempting to convince a cynical traveler that his grapes are the talk of the town. Inside, you'll find a game board, 35 stand tiles, 12 restaurant tiles, 35 customer tiles, 32 wooden stands. 54 coins of multiple different kinds of denominations, a cloth bag. Bag-o! <laughs> I knew that was good. <laughs> and four player screens. And that's what's in the
0: box.
2: Well, before we find out if this game will make you want to shop till you drop, mm. Evan, tell us how it's played.
0: Mercado de Lisboa is a tile placement game where players buy stands in a bustling market, open new businesses that influence those stands, and bring customers to them. The market is a grid, 25 spaces, that's five by five. At the end of each row and column is a market entrance where the customers will be placed. Your goal is to try and bring customers into the market entrances that contain your stands. And that is how you earn money. A player can take one of four actions on their turn. You can open a stand, open a restaurant, bring customers, or take a coin. Place your stands strategically adjacent to restaurants of similar types to earn more profits. Place the right kind of customers in the entrances of rows and columns to earn multiplier bonuses. But be careful when placing those customers, because if your opponents have stands in those rows and columns, they can earn money too. The game ends when there are only four open market spaces or four open customer spaces left. Or... If everyone effectively passes by taking the one coin as their action, the game automatically ends. The restaurateur with the most money at the end of the game is the winner and the master of Mercado de Lisboa.
2: You know, Mike, until you described the cover, I had no idea all that stuff was going on.
3: (laughs) I know. It's a bustling marketplace. There's so much there.
2: Yeah, that is a very busy (laughs) cover, Mm -hmm. which is often the case with Euro games, huh? They have a lot going on.
3: A lot more than you give them credit for sometimes because the colors are kind of, a lot of times, muted and simple. Not in this case, but yeah, a lot of Euro games are muted, but there's sometimes... This one's pretty
2: muted, too.
1: It is. It isn't super bright. Yeah, Yeah, they go with super, like, flashy colors and not quite pastel colors either. It's kind of like a happy medium between the two. They're soft, yeah.
0: Clemens Franz described them as brown Colors or brown tones. What I think he meant was like earth tones. Earth tones oh. yeah, yeah. And that that is that is a very Euro game color scheme. Yeah, yeah
2: I mean it's no magical unicorn quest.
0: Nothing you so think
1: can be. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. as far as covers go. Yeah. Well, Ed, you got this one on a Kickstarter. Why did you back this Kickstarter?
1: Well, from Eagle uh, Griffin Games and the one of the designer. Vidal a famous designer, and I d- often enjoy his game. And this was supposed to be a light game from him. Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, is he known for heavier games? Yes. Oh. Yes, this
1: is light for
3: him, I would say. that's accurate. <laughs> Light for light him. For him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. This is one of his filler games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he designed this in his sleep.
2: <laughs> what kind of game is it, Ed?
1: It is a strategic tile placement game. You're taking the market tiles, and you're trying to put them down and, and well, make money. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: The board is the market, and you're trying to put a pop-up stand there, right? You're trying to <laughs> get your own <laughs> well, stands I think what going.
1: They showed there, You put a tile down, and you put one of your colored wooden pieces down, and that's your, your, your little pop-up.
2: There's also mm-hmm. a press your luck element, right, Evan?
0: The press your luck element comes into play when you are placing your uh, stands... And in doing so, trying to fill up a specific row or column, but then trying to match it with the correct customers Mm. in order to maximize that multiplier. Mm -hmm. So you're pressing your luck in that you're holding off perhaps using some of those customers until you can get more and more of them. So you can place higher levels of customers and get that higher multiplier. But beware, Mm. because your other opponents are doing the same thing and they might grab those special customers right out from under you. As you were trying to build,
1: get your engine building or as much. Take
2: would say. the space that you wanted to put those customers in, right?
1: True. Yeah. Yep. That. Yeah. Right. yeah. There's the little push-pull there because you're trying to maximize your profit potential. So, like, yeah, I'm going to put the stand there, and I want to put this little pub right next to it because, well, that'll double my money. And uh, and then I'll, well, no, now that I got a restaurant there, let me put another stand next to that because, well, why benefit from one? restaurant when you can get two stand bunnies for the same thing. So yeah, more money, and then well, I can perfect it a little bit more. And wait a minute. The, the customers are gone. What happened? <laughs> yeah, you guys know that's a, <laughs> that's a devious trap for me in a
3: game like this, because I'm trying to get that maximum big score, and I'm just leaving it hanging out there for everybody to see. There's no stealth bombing, like you know, everything's right there on the board. Mm -hmm. So as I'm building up all these wineries and the grapes to go with them, people are like licking their lips when it's time to like slap that guy down and get all the money from that row instead. Mm -hmm. Mm. Does that any of that earn me any money, Mike? It's
0: not all about earning money in this game. It is literally all.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So let's see, a fish customer that doesn't do jack for me.
0: A fish fishstimer.
3: So if I put this dude here...
2: Then you will earn three bucks for your grapes and three bucks for your tea. Sounds about right,
1: right? <laughs> it's an interesting situation because I was trying to do the same thing. It's like, hey, I want it. Oh, you put it right next to where I want it to go anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me put this other thing next to it, too. And then... Like I think we're going for the same thing here. Maybe uh, yeah. I better take that before Mikey gets it because I think we have the same goal. Yeah, classic Ed.
0: <laughs> yep. Pla- placing stands cost you money, mm-hmm. and in the cost is the amount of other stands in that row or column. You have to take the higher of those two numbers, so it can get pretty expensive to place the perfect stand exactly where you
2: mm-hmm. want. It. Very expensive to place stands. I was I yeah. was often just like unable to do what I wanted to do because it was going to be cost prohibitive.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they offer you a way to get like just a little bit of money. It's like, oh, I'm just going to take money because I just need one more coin. Some yeah. default or, money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. and But you're also like, well, there's the cheaper customers. Well, I can put one of them out get a little money and then put it in the next turn. But now I waited a turn. Somebody else could do something in the turn I just took just making a couple bucks.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like a psychological press your luck. It's like a game of chicken.
3: Like, all right, who's going who's gonna to put the guy there? Is <laughs> it, it, are they doing something else's turn?
2: I don't know. I have to say, you guys, the way you're describing it, it sounds like a great game with interesting mechanics. But I had a real barrier to getting into this game. I was confused between restaurants and stands and how they worked, how each of them worked and mm-hmm. what we were actually in control of.
3: Yeah, because there's like a random placement on the board at the beginning of kind of face down restaurants that aren't
2: active yet. And, and let me stop you there. I just want to describe face down because oh, yeah. it was hard to understand when a <laughs> when a, a restaurant was face down because it was the it was looked the same as when it was open, except it was gray. Mm-hmm. Except that there was something colorful on it. It was a there was an yeah. element of food that yeah. was colored. So it wasn't all gray. Mm-hmm. So it was confusing to tell wh- when it was face-up or face-down, closed or
1: open. I felt the same way. The reason why to have that little bit of color there, I can tell, that you can see what type of restaurant it was, whether this way, if it was all gray, it might be hard to tell. Well, are they selling burgers or are they selling pizza? Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> but, I mean, the, the, the way the restaurants were laid out in the beginning, like we said, face-down, it didn't matter where they were because what you're doing is pulling them off the board and then using the token you took off to place it
2: later. Mm. That was very confusing too.
0: Yeah, a little peculiar.
2: Why are they on the board to begin with? You know, Mm -hmm. if you're not keeping them on the board and then the fact that you yourself pull them off the board uh, Mm. misleads you into thinking you're going to control
1: it or it's going to be yours, but it isn't really. Mm. Well, you do get to place it. Later, but, yeah. No, nah, it's not your per se. Well, you put it, you're probably going to benefit the most from it because you get to place it.
2: I wonder why they didn't have the restaurants off the board to begin with, you know, and then it would have mm-hmm. helped me conceptualize it a little bit better where you could maybe take it from a sideboard or something.
3: My guess was that it was to try to make the game more replayable. Because having those tokens already on the board that you're going to try to take for later forces you to place something on that spot to make you remove that token. So it sets the board up differently each time. You can't just
2: use the same L, your lucky L shape or something. Right, exactly.
1: Right. I I think, yeah, it's not only just for replayability, I think it also gives you um, strategic choices to make of where to put it. Like, otherwise, just the geographical location, like, well, This is in line with everything else I'm setting up. So this is the best mm -hmm. spot. But wait a minute. I kind of really want that pub. So... Yeah, they're teasers. Maybe I'll go on the pub bot Mm -hmm. and get the pub so I can put it and benefit my other things later. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think what we're doing is
2: putting <laughs> up stands and selling stuff to the restaurants or or getting our customer <laughs> like it was it was hard for me to conceptualize exactly what I was trying to do. I'm selling to the customers who are going into the restaurants.
3: Yeah, I didn't mm-hmm. feel like I was building an attraction to draw people to. I just kind of felt like I was putting stuff out there and hoping a nice combination came up for me later.
0: Yeah. The, and the concept of stand versus restaurant was is not exactly clearly defined, or at least there's not this intuitive yeah. understanding of how the two relate to each other. It took a little bit of getting used to. Yeah, I agree mm-hmm. with
2: that. How about this? If I put this here, I don't pay anything.
1: You pay two bucks.
2: Oh, because even when it's my guy? Yeah, your new yep. one and the You
1: just one. count the total number stalls in that lower
2: column, the highest one. Why does it cost me money? Because I already own it.
0: It's just the way the game is. The
2: property
3: got more expensive because you made that block sexy and hot.
0: Ask your landlord.
1: Yeah, for me, I was, I saw right away where it's like, okay, I want to put this thing here, then I want to put the pub there to benefit this, and I'm going to take the other thing on the other side of the pub so they both get the benefits for the pub, and then, oh, I got another fan I can <laughs> put over there, and then <laughs> if I get this customer, I'm going to go up big. Yeah. yeah. Ed had a very clear plan, apparently.
0: <laughs> we know you got it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Possibly because he knew what he was getting into with a Vitaliserta game. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, true. It did. And I, just, and I think this is a relatively quick and light game. And I, of course, haven't played similar game before. I, I picked up things a little quicker. Yeah. I totally get what you're seeing but the face down. Like, well, they're there, but they're, well, they're not really there. Mm-hmm. Okay, Explorers, it's time
2: to dig up or bury Mercado de Lisboa. Ed?
1: This game offers a fast playing tile laying game that is fairly straightforward to play and offers tough and engaging choices. So I'll dig this up to score the epic payout again. Evan? Mercado de Lisboa has some interesting
0: mechanics, but the scoring was a bit too abstract, if not outright confusing. I can't say I was really wowed by anything in this game. It's not a bad game, just not enough here for me. I'll bury it. Mikey? I felt like this game was a little bit
3: anticlimactic because you could see the end coming and at a certain point in this game, there's not much you can do about it. Um, (laughs) That combined with a little bit of confusion about what you were actually doing in the game caused me to just say I have to bury it.
2: I like the idea of the theme and the layout, but the mechanics were tricky for me to grasp so kind of like a holiday shopping trip I felt confused and exhausted when it was over (laughs) I'm gonna have to bury it if you have thoughts about Mercado de Lisboa let us know anywhere on social media come like subscribe and follow us and you can catch us on our discord channel by going to our website our last game up this week is all aboard around the world train game All aboard. Published by Talking Tables in 2016. Ages seven to 70, according to the box.
0: 71, you're out.
2: (laughs) Six, forget about it. Playtime, 50 to 30 minutes. Birthday, Mike. Aging birthday, (laughs) Mike.
0: Lordship.
2: I'm here. (laughs) You made it just in time. (sighs) Tell us what's in the box. The cover
3: of All Aboard looks like a suitcase that seems ready to travel the world at an extremely leisurely pace. (laughs) (laughs) Inside, you'll find a game board, a single six-sided die, and eight train tokens of various colors.
2: And that's what's on the box. Before we stamp this game's passport, Evan, tell us how it's played.
0: Well, (laughs) (laughs) all right. All aboard, around-the-world train game. First-class, nonstop family fun from London to Rio via Delhi and Sydney. Yes, that's how it's written. <laughs> the setup is that each passenger boards their train by placing a train token at the start of the train track. Okay, easy enough. Mm-hmm. Here's how you play the game. Passengers take turn in a clockwise order. Youngest passenger starts. <laughs> On your turn, roll the six-sided die and move forward that many spaces. If you land on a space with text on it, read it out loud and then follow the instructions. If you throw a six, you do not get another turn. Yes, the instructions actually <laughs> say that. <laughs> <laughs> and here's how you win. The first passenger to reach the end of the line and complete the journey wins. Wow. Keep playing until all trains have pulled in. Why? It says that too. Oh,
3: the game is already over.
0: <laughs> Mike, Mike, the title All uh, Aboard. We're
3: already aboard the train.
0: All <laughs> finished. This is an inclusive game. They're trying to make sure everybody.
3: Before we get too far here. I'd like to note that the board is a circular train track that leads right back to where you started, basically. Well, well it's an oval. Oh, yeah. sorry, Ed. It's an <laughs> oblong spheroid. <laughs> um, but you start in like the United States or something, I don't know, and you end up in Rio de Janeiro after going around the whole world. So why don't you, if the goal cool. is to get to the destination, just take a left. Just go the other way. You're very close to start
1: with. I mean, how, I mean, how are you going around the world through Russia and L.A. and all that? Th- by train. You're on a train. <laughs> <laughs> Choo-choo.
2: Okay. All right. So <laughs> you roll dice. You move a train. Yep. Which, yep. by the way, the pieces don't look like trains. They look no. like cars. Hey, yes, good point, <laughs> Yeah, you're in a car.
1: Well, if you look, if you look at the graphic inside your car, it looked like a train. No.
2: it's a car-shaped piece with a train painted on it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. That, <so> yeah, <laughs> they took stock. All right. Pieces oh, yeah. and made it <laughs> and modified it by painting it.
2: And speaking of <laughs> stock graphics, okay, this game uh, was made in 2016. How? Hmm. These yeah. graphics look like a very proud graphic designer from 1992 made them. Oh, I was going to say
3: 1960.
2: <laughs> but, uh, it's harsh. Yeah, it's bru- it's terrible. Uh, but that goes along with the quality of gameplay.
0: <laughs> this is the perfect game for people who cannot handle anything abstract about playing a game. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Roll a die, move your piece, read the words, do what it says. Yeah, that's it. And whatever happens, happens. Move forward, move backwards, skip a thing, do this. That's it. Yeah,
3: you read these words and they don't ever give you a choice. Like, go back two or go back three. No, not even that much choice. You (laughs) land on a spot and you do what it says and that's it. So I don't even have to be there for this game.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Did did any of us need to be present or could one of us just play the game with our
3: pieces? Absolutely.
0: One of us could have played the game on behalf of all of us.
2: You could put this
3: game on a random number generator and just have it play itself. Just watch the results. Oh, Ed won today three times. Evan won six times, you know.
2: So when there's a game like this with utter lack of choice, then, Mm -hmm. you know, I tend to look for anything about the game that might be entertaining. The color text, (sighs) the theme, uh, what's happening. So on this game, written right on the board is what happens to you when you land on some of the spaces. And Mm -hmm. some of the Mm -hmm. things that happen to you are jokey. Like, oh, you had a lazy lunch in L.A., roll a die and go backward. <laughs> and some yeah. of them are just outright boring, like Russian visa denied.
1: One, two, three, four, five, six. Leave the line. Go, go back, back to two. one, two. This game is nothing. This, this, is a, this is a better version of There's no
0: of cards g- or anything? This is it right mm-hmm. here? Watch You're... me. One, two, three. Go back to the <laughs> This is the worst. You, you got to get over the hump. One, two, three, four. Time out in Auckland. Go back one.
3: I mean, all that
0: to get three spaces
3: from where you were.
1: It took four rolls. Um, yeah. Two, three, four, five. Miss the, Miss the train. The train go, go, back go back three.
0: three.
3: And yeah. Two thirds of the spaces on the board are completely blank. And then the other third of the spaces are either go back one or two spaces or go forward one or two spaces.
1: Well, some of them leave all again. Ooh. Except- Unless you yeah, roll a few. Six, yeah. Then you can't go again.
0: Yeah. I mean, arguably, you're better off rolling and getting on spaces in which they say nothing. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you're better oh off definitely. You're...
2: <laughs> definitely. Oh, and yeah. it, inevitably, you get stuck in a loop uh, at least two <laughs> mm-hmm. or three turns,
3: you know. That happened. Yeah. You roll a three and you go three spaces forward and it says go back three spaces. And then the next turn you roll another three. <laughs> Mike. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Mike, it's like some nightmare you can't wait. It is a
3: nightmare. <laughs> I've had this nightmare before. <laughs> you have. Yes, you have.
1: I mean, this game was special in that it managed to be worse than Ludo games. And <laughs> I mean, at least in Ludo, you're moving multiple pieces. You have to have a choice. Which piece are you going to move? Yeah, there's a little strategy, it's potentially. There's actually a choice to make. There's no choices in this game. Yeah. Zero. Zero. What, you know what's the best choice of all? Not, Not playing. Not playing again. Oh, Ed, don't spoil your takeover berry.
2: Because it is a train game, Ed. We know how much (laughs) you love
0: train games. games. I do love train games. Yes. I bought this for you, my friend.
2: So, Ed, in train games on a scale of one to 10, with 10 (laughs) being the best train game you've ever played, and one being something left to be desired, where does this rate?
1: Negative 10.
0: (laughs) Whoa. Ouch. Ouch. The game Ouch. was
3: actually on fire and I burned myself while playing. That's what negative 10 is.
0: Yikes. That This game designer is going to take... Oh, it's uncredited. Well, oh, that good. explains <laughs> everything. Who's going to take <laughs> yeah. credit for this? There's no game designer because there's no game here. One, two, three, three four, four five. five. Okay. Now move in front of the player
1: who's in the lead. Oh, you wow. jump ahead. Yeah, oh, Mike, a the grand station. Roll again. You. Two, One, three, the next. two. You, you win, I but the game, know, is, not game is not over. Not <laughs>
3: over. All players must continue rolling.
1: Wait, what? <laughs> 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 yeah. was
0: right. actually say that. Worst the worst rule convention ever. There is nothing designed. <laughs> no.
1: This right, is no just something printed
0: and throw it out there. I mean, really, the, the, this this company did not care about the fun of the players. I'm sorry, they just didn't with this game. No, this this I mean, could be like for ages three and up.
3: Like, there's just no...
0: I mean, Candyland is more interesting yeah, than this game.
2: Oh, yeah. By far. And certainly better graphically designed.
0: It's just the ladder's better. A brown and white
3: oval train loop with some text slapped onto the spaces.
2: Uh, well, uh, they did use a back glow on the lettering. Oh, like, true. Uh, oh, yeah, they did. And yeah, there's a drop true. shadow no. on the train track. <laughs> Drop shadow on the cover as well, on the tickets. That's hot. Yeah, they drop shadowed the heck out of this game. Oh,
3: God. Is there anything else to even say about this game? I don't think so. I honestly
0: don't. I was bored the second time I rolled the die, so that, you know. (laughs) Which, that has never happened to me before. I don't really know. (laughs) It has one D6 to roll.
1: One.
2: The cover is just an old map with, like, some luggage belts It's terrible.
1: <laughs> at least they put luggage straps on it. I guess it could have made it more boring. I mean, there's a ticket. No. All right, all right, we got it. To... There's a
0: Morocco stamp.
2: Look okay, explorers. Stamp. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> it is time to. It's
0: way past time.
2: Dig up our berry all aboard. Colon around the world train game. <laughs> Birthday Mike.
3: <laughs> I had zero agency in this game. I could literally have just phoned it in and had somebody else roll the die for me and tell me what happens. There's no redeeming qualities, in my opinion, so I have to say, b b bury it.
1: <laughs> Ed? This roll-and-move game is so dull and boring that King Kong game is state-of-the-art by comparison. Oh. <laughs> wow. Bury it in the deepest hole you can find.
0: <laughs> Evan? I had low expectations for all aboard, and it did not even come close to meeting those bare minimum expectations. just a pure waste of my time and my money. <laughs> yeah. We paid for it. We paid for it, folks, so you never have to That's true. bury it. Oh, boy.
2: Oh. Oh, this might have been the most checked out we have ever been while playing a game. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about on rails. This game is a choiceless, <laughs> low-speed track to nowhere. If you have thoughts about All Aboard, colon, around the world train game, or you just want to console Ed, reach out on social media, let us know what you think, and you can get us on Discord by going to our website. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you're doing. If you would like more perks and content from us, including our exclusive patron only podcast bonus point
1: bonus point bonus point
2: bonus point then just go to our website and click on become a supporter today join our chat on discord we are there all the time our discord is blowing up with board game design conference and so much more happy gaming explorers all aboard the game to nowhere
1: <laughs> that's a lovely unicorn but it belongs to my stable. <laughs> Happy birthday to
2: you. Happy birthday to oh, you. Happy God birthday no. to you, Mikey. Happy birthday, my Happy Lord. birthday to you.
0: Happy birthday, your lordship.
2: Happy birthday, Lord Mikey. <laughs> uh.